Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Phyllis Cohen, founder and director of the New York Institute for Psychotherapy Training in Infancy, Childhood, and Adolescence, for part one of their discussion on the Building Blocks program with she developed. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. We have a really special guest with us today. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Building Blocks program with Dr. Phyllis Cohen from New York City, um, the New York area, and she is going to be sharing with us the evolution of this program, how it all got started, how they took it into a clinic. And also some of the really exciting research and outcomes that they have been seeing with, with using this model. So Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's really great to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to be sharing with you about this wonderful project that we're working on. Yes, yes. And so um, I could share with listeners that you and I met in a video intervention therapy training that was sponsored by the New School um, with George Downing as the instructor. That is how we met. And so um, I certainly know that video is part of your work. But if you could just share with listeners a little bit about uh, how you got involved in the specialty areas that you do work in with mothers and babies and, and the, the research with all of that. If you could share a little bit about that before we get rolling on the actual program. Well, I think the thing that's most relevant is the, uh, is the mindset of being open and to anything, to whatever may come your way and uh, to embrace the moment. And I've always been interested in children and working with kids, helping kids. And in uh, the 1990s, I met Beatrice Beebe. And I would say at that point, I had graduated with my um, certificate in psychoanalysis. I was a psychologist practicing and I became Um, involved with Beatrice and her research on mothers and infants and and their interaction uh, early in that uh, period of time. When 9-11 happened, uh, we realized that there were many mothers who were women who were pregnant, who lost their husbands, Mm -hmm. and um, they would need to bond with their babies while grieving and mourning. And we felt that that would give us an opportunity to um, not only work together, but to create an intervention, which we have done and still continues up until the present time since 2001 to now. Wow. That's so fantastic. Gosh, it was just, I was like, the first two things that you even just said about just being open, you know, I was like, wow, that's... just even that is, is so profound to, to be open to what's in front of you and, and how you can help and keep learning. And I know um, I'll, I'll share with listeners at the end, but just to interject that you and Dr. Beebe made this wonderful picture book uh, yes. that we'll want to mention to listeners looking at a lot of still shots of, of things that she has 
learned along with you, her team, everyone from the microanalysis of the videos that that she's so well known for. So wow, what a collaboration. That's just fantastic. We have also created, we also published a book in 2011 on the 9-11 project called Mothers, Infants, and Young Children of September 11th, Mm -hmm. um, primary intervention. But the picture book is really um, outstanding and very well related to what we're going to be talking today about. Yes. So let's start talking about the Building Blocks program. What is it and how did it come about? So here's another one of those serendipitous uh, events or coincidences, which we don't believe in, as we've just said, uh, leading. In 2008, the clinic director from a, an agency in the city called New Alternatives for Children. This is a foster care agency which provides all kinds of services for children in foster care um, who have high, high risk, high need um, mentally uh, ill parents, maybe chronically ill, medical, physical, emotional uh, issues, living in poverty, disrupted attachments. Those are the kinds of the people people that are at the New Alternatives for Children. He was Mar- Harvey Marr was the pres- was the director of a um, program, the um, psychology department at NAC. And I was speaking about the the 9-11 project at a conference. And um, he came over to me and he said that um, he would like to talk to me about an idea that he had in his mind. Now, again, this is a man I've never met. I'm busy. We're running from here to there. And of course, I'm interested in hearing what he has in mind and what I can do to help. And so he told me that he had been observing mothers and um, children, young children, who were uh, in supervised visits. These children, many of them are are removed at birth into foster care for many reasons that are very tragic. And um, these children and moms would be visiting uh, the mothers wanting to reunite with their children. Some of the children were not yet in, placed in foster care, were in preventive care. He was observing that these mothers and children were not making contact. The mothers were distracted. Many were on their phones. They did not know how to relate. They didn't know how to approach the kids. The kids were rejecting of the moms. And um, he said that he felt that it was such a waste of an opportunity that might happen if we could find a way to bring these um, dyads together in a therapeutic way. So I sat down with him over several hours and we just brainstormed using my knowledge of child development and all that I had learned with Beatrice Beebe. Um, And we designed an intervention that we thought would enhance attachment and bonding And um, he put together a proposal. We said goodbye, and we never spoke again for a period of years. And several years later, he called me and said, guess what? The FAR Fund has 
um, offered to um, support our project and we're ready to launch it. Are you ready to go? And of course I wasn't because I'm always involved in a thousand other things at yeah, the you're time. Like, hey, that's off my radar. That conversation was a long time ago. What are you talking exactly. about? I don't even remember what we proposed to do. Right? <laughs> exactly. So um, the thing is that the, the Building Blocks program was designed to find a way to encourage the parent-child bonding and attachment with these people who have had such traumatic histories. Yes. And we began thinking about the ideas in reflective functioning and mentalization, which I know many people who have been on this uh, program have talked about, which is ways of thinking about what someone, what's the feelings and thoughts are on your own mind, and right. then thinking about what's on the other's mind. Right. And uh, the, the mothers that we're talking about were very, very limited. And um, we were going to start this program and tragically Harvey Marr passed away suddenly, um, just at the time when the program was going to begin. Um, I'm gonna talk to you about that in a moment, but um, uh, just to say that I would like to tell you what the program of Building Blocks is first. Yes. Okay, so if, if you could just conceptualize it, there are three components that relate to training therapists, the intervention with the mothers and babies in these, these dyadic interactions, and then this reflective supervision that we provide for the therapists. So just very briefly to tell you that in the training, we take the therapists who are at the clinic, many of them are interns, externs, postdocs. Um, there's a, a paid staff, of course, of, of experienced social workers and psychologists and mental health workers and art therapy people. But uh, we're, we're very often taking a whole new cohort each year of people who are still in school, don't have a clue about what this is about. And we're providing them with what we think are the essential ingredients for what a therapist needs to know. Yeah. And that have to do with how to look at what's happening with a child in an interaction with a parent, which is directly out of the work that I've shared with Beatrice Beebe, which is brilliant, learning to look, learning to find ways of helping parents to express their own emotion and communicate and understand that children are trying to communicate with them through their play. Yes. Encouraging them to pay attention and to share in the excitement or the sadness or the distress in the moment within those uh, visits, promoting independence and learning to just reflect on their own experience and be able to be present in those sessions. So for the training, with we're teaching these concepts to a whole new crop each year of, of new, mostly new beginning therapists. And, um, and it's quite overwhelming, I'm sure, in the beginning. But gradually, they begin to understand as they see the, the ideas applied. How are they applied? They're applied in these interventions. The moms are most many not living with the children. So there's a, a real disrupted connection. Um, 
usually, as I said, under very traumatic circumstances of harm that's happened to the children or threat or risk. Um, they, they want to engage, just not, do not know how, and we provide a place. They come to the clinic mostly in super, under supervised visits. They're not even permitted to be with their children, many of them, without supervision. Um, and the sessions are videotaped. And we look at those videotapes in the supervision, which I'll tell you about, but we watch what's going on between these mothers and babies. What are they doing together? How are they communicating? How are they, and if not, why not? How are they connecting? And sometimes it's a, a fleeting glance or a moment of positive regard of a small uh, gesture or a smile that we observe in the video. And we prepare that little clip to show this positive moment to the moms in the video feedback so that they could have a sense of being empowered, that I can do this, that this is something that can happen. Look, it happened here, even if it was only for half a second. But yeah. it's and they, we can look at it over and over and over. So this, the video inter intervention, as you know how powerful it is because we yeah. met in the training, yes. um, very facilitative for the therapists and then of course for the moms. Yeah. So that's the second piece yes. of, of what's happening in the treatment. They're in a, in, a, in a place where there's toys and they're there together. Um, in the reflective supervision, and this is a, a piece that I think that we've uh, taken to the next level, um, Arietta Slade has a model called nested mentalizations, where we look at a baby inside the a concentric circle, larger with a mother, and the mother with the therapist around her, and the therapist around her, with, surrounded by the supervisors. And of course, the supervisor ourselves still need to be um, handled, monitored, managed, helping ourselves to um, cope with and, and experience yeah. the trauma that we are right. with, we are in with. Um, so in the supervision, we have, I just want to mention that I have a team of Jill Bellinson, Andrea Remez, and Klaus Frank and myself, that we are the supervisors of a whole team, usually 15 to 20 therapists um, that we see, we divide them up into groups. So we see them in groups for an hour and a half every other week and in individual short sessions where they have the um, ability to have a one-on-one -on -one moment to share their yeah. own experience. Yeah. And um, we use that model always of how we are providing for the therapist to be able to provide for the mothers who could then provide for the children. Because it's too much to hold by themselves. We yes. need to hold each other. And I think, you know, what you were talking about is so important, too, in this model, the way I understand it, because the therapists have to use some restraint in how they're interacting with the mothers. There's a slowing down and there's a, um, I think in my training in child parent psychotherapy, 
I came into that training from a very active model theraplay where we just jump in and do things. And there's advantages to that, but there's disadvantages. <laughs> and, you know, you have to, I remember seeing um, child parent psychotherapy and feeling like you're just sitting there, like do something, do something, <laughs> you know, and then really learning. It takes more skill um, and discipline um, to maybe sit yes. there and wait for the right moment. But while yeah. you're doing that, you're holding all this. And I think you need help. Um, so, yep, we are definitely of the mind less doing and more being. Yes. The, well, I guess it was Cherie Paul. Don't just do something, stand there. Uh, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, I believe was one of the famous quotes. And that when I first saw that, I was like, come on, step up. This therapist is sitting there like a lump. And then I'm like, oh, no, they're not. <laughs> and in many ways, that's harder to do than some kind of behavioral intervention here. We're just going to show you what to do or show you the parenting class or something. So for many, many years, I've been training child therapists. And very often, they, they will say, um, that's, that's it. That's all. I just play. <laughs> Play, play and then they come and say well the mother said that's all you did was play is that all you do <laughs> yes that's what we do because that's what children do and that's how children communicate and that's how we connect with them right. so it's so antithetical to what we might think would be the right way but in our way it's, it's reticence, it's holding back, it's being patient, it's being accepting, it's being embracing, it's being with, and that is the key to this yeah. map. Yes. When we started the model, I told you Mar Harvey Mar had passed away, and I was stuck with uh, a situation where this is a clinic where they, uh, they depend on behavioral approaches to treatment. I have a model that is psychodynamic and attachment and relationship based. We do not have a, pre, a priori agenda. The agenda is to help this mother and child be together and begin to know each other and communicate and feel the presence of the other. And when we brought this model in, when so I brought it. So beautiful. What? <laughs> it's just so beautiful to hear that statement. Um, Which one? <laughs> just, you, it's a way of bringing this mother and, and child together to know each other. It's not, you know, a list of behaviors we're going to teach. Exactly. So we came in and the caseworkers, a large staff of therapists at this clinic said, what do you mean you're bringing an approach that's not going to teach parenting skills to the parents? You're not going to teach them how to be a parent? How are they going to learn that? These are people who have not had adequate parenting themselves. They don't have a model. And so over time, we came in and the caseworkers began to see the mothers showing empathy, curiosity, and nurturing care with their children in the waiting rooms. 
and that the children were beginning to respond better with the mothers. They observed this and they wondered how and why this was happening. How could this happen? Why yes, that yes. something was going on yes. and they just could not make sense of it. Right. And that, it seemed like it was magical. And even for us, Karen, I have to tell you, it was magical. The idea that being with could allow a process to unfold where people can know each other and know, be interested in the minds of the other. It's not something that's easy to um, uh, explain or describe. It's just there. So th these therapists, these caseworkers started referring more and more cases to building blocks. In the beginning, they did not want to give us a single case. After they saw the, that things were happening here that were mothers who were previously hitting and yelling and stomping and pulling things from their kids and not, care, not showing the care that we think is so important, um, they started referring cases and now, since we started in, in 2012, we have seen 163 dyads. 40% of these dyads of mothers and children, mostly mothers, sometimes fathers, um, have had 20 to 97 sessions. 45% of this group have stayed with us for more than a year. Now, why is this remarkable? Because given that this is a population that are known to be difficult to engage, difficult to keep in a therapeutic environment, this is something, another magical piece that occurs when the mothers feel themselves held and cared about and understood they keep coming. They come back because they see us. They begin to see us as different from the system that's against them, that has told them over and over that you're not fit to be a mother. And we are here to say, look at this. You can be a mother. You have love in your heart. You mean to be well, a good mother, and you don't know how. And we're here to be with you to help to facilitate that. And they get it. And over time, they continue to become more and more invested in our program. I want to tell you a brief vignette of how that it started. In, early in the program, there was a therapist who had a very, very difficult, angry, angry mother who was quite traumatized, quite difficult to engage. She had a reputation of nobody wants to be with this diet. Um, the boy was four years old. Week after week, the therapist would come in and sit on the floor with the little boy. The mother always sat on the chair she was on her phone. She was distracted. She was not interested. We spoke about it. She seemed to be totally disengaged. We spoke about it in supervision. And we thought that, um, how, how is it that we could make a, a, a difference in the way that the mom might take on some interest in this child? 
everything that she said to the kid was a criticism or barking at what are you doing and why are you doing that and stop it and get over here and pulling him, not being uh, uh, in any way um, loving and gentle in her approach to the child. And we decided that the mother was getting the message that the therapist didn't care about her by sitting on the floor with the child. This is always a big dilemma when you have more than one person in a room. Who do you gravitate toward? Who do you look at? Who do you pay attention to? And we suggested that the therapist try another approach, that she would come into the room and she would sit next to the mother and let the boy go about his business of play. And so she sat next to the mother and she she would be sort of like giving her a, a smiling, accepting look of how is how are you doing? Are you okay? What's happening? Um, and so on. And gradually, as she was able to express how she was thinking and what she was thinking and feeling, uh, they began to turn their attention to what is the little boy thinking and feeling? What is he doing? What is he trying to communicate here now through his play? Yeah. And little by little, the mother became interested in his pursuits. Um, they moved closer to where he was in the room. And eventually, the mother and the therapist joined the little boy on the floor and the three of them played together. That's the magic of building blocks. Mm. And just in that, this was in the very beginning when we were sort of finding our way and figuring Mm. what is it that we can really do here to help. Yes. Well, I think, and you have it in one of your fabulous articles um, that you've written about the program, and you have Freiburg's quote that, you know, the parent's capacity to hear the baby cry, or we could even say attend to and notice and all of that is contingent on the clinician's capacity to hear the cry of the mother and, you know, be present for that mother. And I think that that's such a powerful illustration of the truth of that, isn't it? Right. Uh, So important, but even more important, Karen, Um, This was a lesson that we learned in the World Trade Center project, that in order for the therapist to hear the cry of the mother who could hear the cry of the child, the therapist's cry has to be heard as well. Yes. In most clinic settings, the case conferences relate to what's going on in this case a lot of criticism of what is missing in the chart or what they're not doing. Mm -hmm. And what's needed is the support of the therapist. So in our reflective supervision groups, we are there to hold those therapists and their feelings about what it's like to be in a room with a mother who might be harsh with her child or not knowing how to connect. And they suffer a lot. And we allow the experience of sharing that pain of being witness to such severe trauma. And that's, that's very, very important in thinking about how a model might be implemented in any setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is um, because being a witness, as you're saying, to 
to what is sometimes really painful aspects of a relationship and not jumping in prematurely and not judging. And, 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 and we know now from polyvagal theory and, and other things that our parents neurocept safety from us at a neurological level that if we are judging if we're if we're not really present if we don't if we have these angry feelings towards them which of course we're going to have we're going to have them but we need a space to deal with them so that we can keep showing up um, in that in that therapeutic way we are allowed to have our feelings, even frustration and anger and hopelessness. We, we really need to, as you say, have the space for it and to be acknowledged that it's, it's part of what would be expected for the moms as well, for the children as well. Yes. So it's a, it's a, a parallel process that keeps building on itself. And yes. it's, it's really making a big difference. This concludes part one of the two-part conversation between Karen Doyle Buckwalter and Phyllis Cohen on the Building Blocks program. Part two will be released on Tuesday, August 20th. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training, opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. Attachment Theory in Action.